Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Thanks for listening today. Once again, I'm with Zach Ellis, and uh, it's Younger Older because Zach is younger than I am, and I'm older than he is uh, by at least a generation here. So we're talking about things that actually matter, uh, ideas that we can uh, hopefully use to help people enjoy God and enjoy each other. And we're doing it from two different perspectives. Um, Not that it's a different conclusion. It's just different perspectives, young and old. And uh, I'm a guy that's actually grandfather age, and and Zach is not married at this point. So that's the difference. However, uh, truth is still going to be truth, and no matter how old you are, and and you might apply it in different manners uh, throughout your life, but it's still going to be there. And we've been talking about the Nathan Project. Zach, you are a part of this Nathan Project, whatever that is. And so now I'm going to play the other side here and say, what is it? What is happening and where is it from and how does it matter? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so the Nathan Project as an organization, of course, it draws, the name draws from the story of the prophet Nathan entering into David's life when he was in the midst of not just adultery, but adultery that led to murder. And it's a very serious situation. And the interesting thing about Nathan is that he wasn't invited to the party. He decided to enter into David's life having seen what he was up to and said, Whatever it is that's going on here, we got to make a change. And he did so by challenging him through uh, through story, acknowledging exactly where David was. And instead of having something to, to combat against, David was put in a position where he had to contend with his own sin alongside of support. And so that's what we do in the Nathan Project is we not only are we available for men who come to us, but we also are proactive in entering into the church, entering into families' lives to say, we want to get out and ahead of this so that those who aren't already caught up in pornography addiction, sexual addiction, are being given resources all the way down to the family, to working with their kids, to developing emotional awareness, resiliency, uh, vulnerable relationships, so that when the struggles of the or the the challenges of the world the temptations of the world which we already know given the proliferation of technology kids are going to face are going to be they're going to encounter exposure to pornography and so much of our work it hits the whole spectrum but our main thrust our main focus is facilitating groups all over New England and the country that meet for two hours a week roughly eight to up to up to 10 maybe 12 14 guys that we spend two hours a week working through resources that hit the whole spectrum of life but really what it ends up becoming is a space where vulnerable authentic honest conversation comes to the table as we explore our life stories and we get to see where God has been present throughout the whole journey where pornography and sexual addiction entered as a coping mechanism as a way for dealing with the problems that we thought didn't have any ulterior answer and uh, and we end up healing in that process so we're hurt in community and we heal in community Uh, that's what we end up facilitating and there's all sorts of pieces that come into play with that and they're all simple there's the consistency of showing up every single week to a group that meets for two hours where we're doing difficult work of exploring our family history our personal history we're getting into the nitty-gritty of things Um, but we're 
also showing up to be supportive of one another. This isn't about me making my life perfect, neat and tidy and lovely, and then I move on. This is an acknowledgement that life really isn't about me. And paradoxically, I end up healing and becoming restored when I realize that that's the case. And addiction is such a wide open door to that process because it's, it brings me, addiction always brings us to our end. It always brings us to a place of, of lack of control. And that's exactly where we get to work from. I like to say, and I think I'm, be, I'm realizing more and more that if we, as, as people in ministry, as people in the family, as just humans in general, if we enter into each other's lives through the open door of sexuality, you have access to the basement, the attic, and every room in between. I mean, that's the most really intimate, vulnerable space you can go to. And I'm talking about conversation. Sure. So if you go there, you've got the keys to the whole castle to talk about where are you at spiritually, emotionally, in your relationships, where are your values, what are you orienting your life towards? It's really amazing stuff. Now, is this is this only on the? You, you said it's available, but is it? It sounds like people get together, and this is on the East Coast only. This is in New England, where we where we facilitate our groups in person. But then we also have groups online, and there's a number of other ministries that facilitate groups both in person, all around the country, and online. Most of the groups that we work that we facilitate and these other ministries um, uh, support, they're pulling from the same resources. It really isn't rocket science stuff. The, the, the trick is, are you going to be committed to doing the work? Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, we're going to have a whole list. Um, I hope we have the space. I've got at least six different resources written down so that anybody in any place, whether you live in Hawaii, Alaska, or Ohio, you can have access to a group, whether in person or online. And the online community, believe it or not, even though it's not my first go-to, they are becoming more and more dynamic and robust in what they offer. Um, I wouldn't write it off for second it's yeah. it's well good. that may be generational too because when i when i get involved in an online group i tend to go to sleep yeah right you know, yeah you know what i mean but that may be my generation because mm-hmm. i i don't care to have uh contact looking mm-hmm. at a screen mm-hmm. you know I, and i've been on some committees with the government and and I, as i'm on it i'm going oh please i need <laughs> some no dos or something here I'm, I'm trying to stay awake and go through this yeah uh, so i'm sure this isn't for everybody as far as the online thing and 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 Obviously, it's always really good to be face-to-face with somebody and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a way that your organization, the Nathan Project, is training people that can be in other places uh, that can do it face-to-face? Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. And so you bring up a good point. Uh, and as Dave and I, as we were, were as we were talking earlier, you acknowledge that at a certain point, it's like, gosh, where are the healthy people to be able to facilitate growth and health for others. And so the exciting, one of the many exciting things we see is every time that we have a group, right now I I lead two different groups of about 10 to 12 guys. And every time as we walk through a year, two years together, coming out the other side of it, there's at least two, three, four men who have not only been become sober, but have seen their lives restored. And now they experience so much joy, restoration and excitement to not only be free from their addiction, but to realize, recognize the gifts that God has given them and they want to give it back. So we're constantly right now, as I go back to New Hampshire tomorrow, we're, we're, we're praying about how do we branch one group into two because we've outgrown the space. Now we've got 16 guys and like, well, let's now branch, which means, well, I can't be in two places at once. Right. So one of these guys that as of two years ago thought his life was over, thought that his marriage was falling apart. He was never going to have a relationship with his kids. 
Now none of that is the case, and he's going to be leading one of these groups. So that's how it happens. I mean, the multiplication effect is amazing. It's like that you, you throw a rock into the water, and you think that it's this little blip, but the ripple goes all the way across the whole pond. Right. And that's what we're seeing happening. But also, it is a slow, relatively slow process. So if there's somebody listening to us today, they're in uh, Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they want to get something going. Mm-hmm. Could they? So another good question. So for somebody who... For somebody who has already experienced health in this area, this is the trouble. You have men that have never struggled with pornography right. addiction. The they're, trouble they're, is, they're 80, 90 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> they struggled yeah. with Playboy back then. but, then, but no. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. And if they haven't ever struggled, and there's a number of guys who that wasn't their thing. The trouble is it's oftentimes hard for them to relate to Absolutely. the men that are in the midst of that. And it's not to write off that men who haven't struggled can't be a valuable resource and support in this in this area. Uh, but I would say that you re- we really are pulling from men who have done the work to not only uh, realize sobriety, but to have their lives restored and transformed. Those are the leaders that we want to bring in on this work. And so oftentimes we end up starting a group. And then from there, somebody branches off to then start their own group, and we serve as a resource supporting them continually. But if you're in a brand new space, say you're listening, like you said, in Texas, and you go, this is, this is it for me. I want to become a part of this. We would encourage you 100% to reach out via the NathanProject.net. We have a conversation. And then it becomes a long-term relationship of providing resources. If you want to call it coaching, I'll use that term loosely. Okay. But working through the everyday situations that come up, many of the things that we do, I mean, we literally will go into the church, work with a pastor who says, hey, I'm seeing this coming up all the time within our counseling, within relationships in our church. I don't know what, I literally don't know what to do about this. So we will partner with them to say, hey, this is how is most optimal to present from the stage, to make this an open invitation so that nobody is excluded and nobody is outed, but to say, this is valuable for everybody, for fathers, mothers, kids, and everybody in between to learn about the dangers of pornography and then the resources that we have available. So we come alongside the church to do that, and we do that even from afar. We've worked with churches where we never were actually were in the in the building, in the door with them, but over the course of many phone calls, Zoom calls, working with the pastors, the elder board, equip them with resources, coach them one step at a time, and before you know it, they have a group running there. And we're not just letting you off you know, to the wild on your own. We continue to be there for you every week as questions, situations arise. What about schools? What about colleges? Is this appropriate for colleges or is this only church things? A hundred percent. Yeah. So, you know, I'm currently studying at Gordon-Conwell Theological Institute. Um, It's our seminary, rather. It's a well-known institution. You'd call it similar to a Wheaton. Everyone knows about it. Yeah. So this is a a school where you might think, oh, well, these are people going to study for ministry. They're preparing to be pastors. They they can't be struggling with this stuff. If you get there, you don't have this problem. In reality, the numbers are about 50 to 60 percent of pastors are actively either have or are currently struggling. And so, of course, those that are preparing for ministry are not exempt from that. Absolutely. So as I walk around the campus there and you have natural conversations with your fellow students, well, why are you here? What are you doing for your work? I'm continually faced with the challenge of, 
uh, I'm going to reference my work with the Nathan Project, and I can see in, in, the, in the men's eyes, sometimes they lean in with interest, sometimes they lean away and create a distance. And I'm left wondering, I'm not going to assume, but I have to wonder, where are they right. at? And so right now, one of those other groups that I'm leading um, is, what, two miles away from the campus, and we started it there by design so that men who are preparing for ministry who are also caught up in secret addiction, seeing no way out. They're bounded up in, in chains of shame, isolation, and secrecy. Uh, they're finding opportunity to enter into a group while still remaining in their studies to say, we're going we're gonna to work with you um, so that by the time you graduate, this is something that not only you've experienced restoration in, but now you're going to be an advocate and a champion within the church uh, to this, this situation. So I just had a meeting with the president of Gordon-Conwell Right before, uh, grad, or right before we finished finals, he's aware of the problem, uh, and also in some ways feels kind of tied. Like, what are we going to do about this? Because right. we got to we got to have students in the door. So I can't just kick people out for having a struggle when basically the struggle is universal at this point. Right. And so, yeah, to your question, this is very much. Gosh, if, if it could be in every college, it, we it, it would be perfect. So, do you have the the framework in place for? Let's say I'm a graduate from Wheaton College. Yep. So someone from Wheaton calls you and says, we got to get this on Wheaton's campus. Yeah. You, you, again, go to NathanProject.net mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. start a dialogue. Is that yep. what they would do? Yep. And maybe we'll end up working directly with you, or maybe we end up referring you out to some of the other ministries that we work alongside of. We are certainly not the what, only... What, do you have a list of those? I said? do, yeah. So even just you know rattling off the, the list here, Pure Desire is a fantastic, fantastic resource. They're based out of Oregon. Uh, Dr. Ted Roberts is a pastor out there of a large church and really saw kind of the writing on the wall to say this is going to be one of the biggest issues the church faces. They produce incredibly dynamic resources that we at the Nathan Project utilize in our groups. They've got a book called The Seven Pillars of Freedom. It gives you really about a year to 18 months of, of laid out material so that as a leader, you're not having to come up with anything. You're facilitating what they have. Good. Really dynamic stuff. Um, another resource, you know, Fight the New Drug is a website. If you Google them, they're coming at this from a, I wouldn't say secular per se, but um, from more of a, a kind of anonymous background. They're just giving facts and figures so that within the church, within schools, within families, you have material to reference to go to legitimize that this is very much a problem. Uh, they've done an enormous amount of work to hand over uh, information uh, per- particular to pornography addiction to equip families um, and, and schools and churches. Um, husband material is another one that's really dynamic. Their sole focus is online. Uh, and I've found that the more I've explored what they have to offer, that they they do a really, really good job. I would highly recommend checking that out if you're a dad, if you're a husband, if you're anticipating marriage, huge resource. Um, and another one that I think would be worth spending some time on, Dave, we talked a little bit about not just dealing with the situation when there's already a problem, but looking at this preventatively. There's an organization called Be Broken, and they are specific in producing resources for families so that the dynamic of the family relationships between father and, and mother and kids changes such that when pornography becomes uh, an option later on, you've already developed such a robust 
uh, emotionally engaging relationships so that there's a, there's openness and honesty as a norm. So they produce, um, there's a book called Honest Talk, which focused on the family, I believe, is uh, is in the process of brooding, uh, um, just picked up and putting out to wider distribution. Um, they've developed games that facilitate this really cool card game that facilitates conversation about sex with your kids. So you kind of remove a little bit of that awkwardness. Sure. Um, I went and saw their table at, uh, at this conference that we were just at. And in the last year, they've come up with, gosh, it's like four or five, six different resources that are really, really engaging. So I'm referring not only the men that come to work with us in a group at the Nathan Project, when they're there and then all of a sudden they realize, oh, this is not just my issue. I also have kids. Right. What are we going to do about that? I'm referring those men and women constantly to these resources because it provides a vehicle for conversation so that it's not all this weight of responsibility on you to figure it out. You've got this tool to walk alongside of. And then myself, Rick Cardos, the director of the Nathan Project, we remain within uh, that relationship and continue to to coach and support every step of the way. Yeah, well, I appreciate your approach on that because – a lot of ministries will say, you know, just come to us and we'll take care of you. And, right. and really, that's not the case. There's so many different variables that, that you can go into. And if you're a listener to this program, I will have Zach um, give me these references. Mm-hmm. I will push them in the notes of the show so that you have them and you can have them to look up later and see if they're helpful to you. Mm-hmm. Um, now, let me go one step further. Is this appropriate for a Christian high school? Mm-hmm. I mean, would you, would would any of these materials be used within the context? Like, if I went to a, you know, I, I think as an educator, I think our public schools are a mess, and and I think trying to figure out a godless way to teach people anything is not working overly well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a rise of Christian schools that, yeah. that are going on. Is there something of this list, or is there within the Nathan Project that a I'm running a Christian high school and I come to you and I say, I want a curriculum for all of our students. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I want an outline for all of our students. Can you help me? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So within the public school setting, we're really pretty limited because if you can't say God, right. then we're already starting from different, you know, different starting blocks. So fight the new drug has really taken up the mantle of remaining agnostic so that they can enter into those spaces. Okay. And they speak about things in a way that begs the question. They are really dynamic. So if you're a public school teacher and you're like, gosh, I still want to do something about this, fight the new drug, facilitate speakers to come in and give presentations. And before you know it, even just from the medical, the psychological, the emotional um, uh, standpoint, students and parents are going to be made aware we got to do something about this. Okay, good. Within the Christian school and within the church, particular to youth groups and youth ministries, we still have to be careful because you are talking about material that is quote unquote 18 plus, even though everybody is getting access to this way. You're, I mean, we were working with men whose first encounter with pornography came at age eight, nine, 10 years old. And yet... You, I can't bypass whatever the parent wants in terms of how that conversation's facilitated. Right. Absolutely. So what we end up doing is bringing in, you work with the church and to say, hey, this is not a mandatory thing. We're going to set up an opportunity for within a youth group or within the broader church to bring your kids and you're going to know this is this, we're going to address these things. Um, and, and what we end up doing is referring families and parents to that Be Broken Ministries, uh, which has those resources like the book Honest okay. Talk that 
facilitate conversation. We don't, have, we can't have anybody within the groups that we host within Nathan Project unless they're 18 years or older. And it really is kind of a big, um, it's a, it's a gap in our work because you're dealing with the legal issues of working with minors, even though the problem is prevalent. Right. And so I don't want to say that in a way that goes, okay, well, good luck. There are an enormous amount of resources available. What really has to happen is the parent has to choose to bring those into their family, into their their relationship with their kids. And then we outside can come in and help facilitate that. Good answer. You know, I mean, I'm looking at this thinking, okay, that 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 that's a great thing. You're sensitive to the parents. You're Mm -hmm. sensitive to what's going on. Which is more than oftentimes a public school will be when they're throwing stuff at our kids. Yeah. And and I think people just need to hear that. You're being sensitive to the fact that every parent wants to talk about this possibly in a different way. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But it is going to be a problem. And it mm-hmm. is a problem. And, and to pretend it's not. Just like pride is a problem. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things in ministry where he goes, is this the major problem? No, sin is. Yeah. And I mean, I, yeah. a lot of different threads in this sin thing. Mm-hmm. And all of us are sinful. So we're always talking about, okay, we don't need to do this. Why? God didn't make us to sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So sin is always going to have a, an effect that is not going to be good long term. Yeah. I mean, that apple might taste good temporarily, but after a while you realize you just ruined all of humanity. So right. it's like, okay, uh, think about that bite before you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, go ahead. Yeah, one of the things, you know, and people will ask, because pornography is so prevalent now, one of the the pendulum swings is just to say, well, this can't be that bad. It's so prevalent. It's so available. Really, what we're saying is I'm I'm too overwhelmed by this, so I'd rather normalize it and just make it okay, and then we'll be good to go. Now, even on the secular side of the, the, the page here, as they do more and more research, this is becoming mainstream conversation where if you do brain scans, they've got a really dynamic visual where you've got three different brains set up and they've done the MRI scans to say this is a brain that's actively using cocaine, actively using heroin, and then actively using pornography. The same areas of the brain are lighting up and the pornography user brain is actually lighting up in more areas and you and losing more brain function. So what does that say? Well, it says pornography is a really serious thing. We talk about in the area of addiction, the difference between substance addiction and process addiction. And with pornography, it's very much an addiction of process. And what it does is at the, I think about an example years ago when I was in, I did a missions trip to Honduras and the kids there really struggled with, they got hooked on this um, industrial strength shoe glue that they would huff. The moment that they start using it, their emotional and physical development stops. The same thing with pornography. When pornography comes into the picture, your emotional development stops at that point. It's not to say that it doesn't happen entirely, but it gets severely stunted. And the way in which I begin to relate to the world around me, literally my brain chemistry begins to change where now I see people, whether I want to or not, as an object for using. And even when I don't want to do that, that is what pornography is telling my brain to do. When you go through the eye gate, it's the fastest transmission from from the eye to the brain, and then you get the dopamine release that's the exact same as taking heroin. So I begin to be trained to only respond to a hyper stimulus. So then now all of the things that God created us to 
to deeply, richly enjoy, don't cut it for me anymore. And so when you, you look at, it's amazing. It's like your eyes become open because as you see kids now who are in junior high or in high school who are kind of zombie-like in their appearance, right. they're not reacting to anything. Nothing's interesting. They're just kind of tuned out. I can almost guarantee you that pornography is playing a piece in that. And it's not their fault per se. It's they were exposed to this. And now that hyperstimulus is so far beyond anything else. And they're like, well, why would I choose anything else? Because it doesn't give me the juice anymore. So that's really what we're talking about when I say that this is a problem. But I don't say that for shock value or for scare value. But we do need parents involved because, again, you've got an issue here of trying to help a junior high kid. Mm -hmm. Right. So we need parents to start acknowledging the problem. Yep. And and really figuring out how to use the Internet at home and figuring out how to put limits. I mean, figuring it out Mm -hmm. somehow. Right. You know, this wasn't a problem I had when I was a kid. Right. Wasn't available. No, I I mean, I I can remember when Internet, when I sent my first email. (laughs) I I remember that. And I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. Yep. Um, But I was old by then already. Mm So I look at this now and I go, okay, this is a challenge. It's like we talked about in the program before. It's, it's a car. It's there. It's, it, you, you, you better put lines on this highway mm-hmm. because otherwise you're going to have all these head-on crashes. You, you, you can't allow things in the Internet world mm-hmm. to just go unfettered. You know, mm-hmm. you you got you to gotta take some time. Uh, NathanProject.org is that? Net. Dot net. I'm yeah. sorry. NathanProject.net mm-hmm. is somewhere where you can go to get some resources, start some thinking, start some dialogues. Mm-hmm. And, and if you go there, uh, Zach is the guy that we're talking to today. Uh, you can try and contact him and, and, yep. and see if he can help push you in the right direction or whatever it might be. Yeah, my email, my number is there. Rick Cardos, the executive director, his contact information is there as well. You know, and I think it's important to say, really important to say, that we're not just talking about the removal of something and then you go on and life is just perfect. It's not just freedom from, it's freedom for. And when I think a lot working with, with men and with and with um, with families, the question almost always comes up right away. It's like, well, what do I do with this with my kids? Because I know they're going to be exposed. The question then really becomes, uh, what I love about this, I'll rewind it a little bit. We were just at this conference and Dr. Adrian Hickman, who, who leads a, a counseling agency, particularly focused on kids who have suffered traumatic abuse early in their life. So you'd think he'd have all these complicated procedures and strategies and all this stuff. And he, he can speak to that end. But at the end of a, a two-hour long seminar, what he came to as a conclusion was to say, you as parents, you as guardians, you as grandparents, if you want to raise up children that are going to be fortified against the temptations that they'll face in this world, what I want you to do is focus on offering non-sensational time with your kids. Nothing complicated. doesn't have to be Disney. It's just taking a walk with dad. And I don't say that to be overly simplistic, but it's, it's I think, re-ennobling it's revaluing what's so easily devalued because it is so simple and the world's constantly as you say all the time dave trying to make it too complicated so when we look at pornography in that issue it begs the question well why are your kids on the screen all the time to begin with right and oftentimes i grew up in a place privileged where we had more than enough going on it's like i barely had time to be on the screen and yet i still discovered it later on in life for these kids now as a dad, as an uncle, as a brother, as a as a father, 
to be coming back from work and going, all right, I'm also not going to go on the screen. I'm going to decide to spend time with my kid. And now all of a sudden, my temptation goes down, their temptation goes down because we're living in relationship to each other. Absolutely. You know, the other thing I, I would suggest, and, and you can comment on that, is is find somebody at your church or have somebody that knows couples, an older couple that has a successful marriage. They actually love each other. They actually spend time together. They like being together. Mm-hmm. And, and they've proven through some time that they actually have a healthy marriage. Mm-hmm. Go watch them. Mm-hmm. Take them out to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just do something with them. Mm-hmm. And I find that students who are struggling, uh, even students who come from maybe a chaotic home or whatever it might be, if they'll stop by the house, you know, you see them look around mm-hmm. like this is unusual. And you, you kind of picture what's unusual about it. Well, it's it's orderly. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's that kind of thing. And you think they haven't seen this. It's not even that you're trying to teach anything. It's that we need to display the reality mm-hmm. of, of Christ in our life. And, and we need to take that seriously, too. Well, I, I thank Zach Ellis. I encourage you. Uh, go to nathanproject.net, nathanproject.net, look this up. Uh, We will post these other resources that Zach talked about in the notes. And so you can go back there and take a look at those. And if if for some reason you just need to talk to the guys at Nathan Project, go to nathanproject.net. And I do encourage you to get behind what they're doing and let's figure out how to slowly get into the lives of people and get them steered towards hope mm-hmm. and 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 we got to desexualize some of this stuff somehow and and understand we don't use people we love them and uh, get to that process uh, i'm dave wager here in the studios at silver birch ranch and this is the program we call younger older goodbye for now